0: Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ.
1: All right. Well, open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24 tonight, the last chapter of this book and the last uh, lesson of our series on Be Bold. I have really enjoyed preaching through the book of Joshua with you, and tonight, like we said last week, we are going to look at kind of the final chapter of the, the life of Caleb, and tonight we look at the final chapter and the final moments uh, of the story of Joshua himself. Joshua was a great leader. Joshua was the guy that led them and helped them conquer the promised land. He picked right up where Moses left off. Moses uh, Moses was such a powerful and still is a powerful figure in the Jewish uh, world and in the Jewish history. But Joshua is the one that helped them conquer the promised land, the land that they had uh, been looking forward to for so many generations. And as he says his goodbye and kind of steps down as the leader of his people, he leaves with some pretty powerful words. If you begin in chapter 24, really in chapter 23 is where he starts saying his goodbye but as he gets into chapter 24, chapter 24 really is just kind of an account of what's happened throughout the, the conquering of uh, the promised land. And then really what we're going to focus on comes in in verses 14 and 15 tonight. So let's look at those two verses together. And the very end of 15 is a verse or a phrase that you are very familiar with. He says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Stow away the guides of your ancestors. Worship beyond the Euphrates River. And in Egypt and serve the Lord, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve: whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates, or the god of the Amorites in those lands who you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love this little section of verses because it really is the a, a great challenge. It's, it's a great challenge. And it is a challenge that I think we need because I love the boldness of this challenge of, look, he's saying, look, you know who you need to serve. This goes back to that Christianity is voluntary thing. He says, look, following God is is a voluntary thing. There's a certain way that you have to do it, but you need to decide. And that's what I want you to know tonight is you need to decide and make up your mind. Who am I going to follow? Am I going to follow the gods of this world or am I going to follow the God of the universe? And, and that is my challenge to you tonight is to make that decision. Make the decision of I'm going to be this type of person. I'm going to voluntarily serve the God of all gods, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if you're going to do that, he says, look, there's a certain way that you do that. And I think that as true as it was for the people of Israel in Joshua's time, it is true for us. And I want us to say, okay, if we're going to be a house that serves the Lord, okay? If that's going to be who we are, then we need to look at verse 14 and figure out how exactly we do that. So let's break these things down. The first thing he says is he says, now fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. If we are going to be bold people that our houses are centered around God, they have to be houses that are full of fear for God. Now that's an interesting word, isn't it? Fear God. And and there are a lot of different, um, there's a lot of different levels to this. So the Hebrew word fear uh, has a lot of different kind of uh, thoughts behind it. When we think of fear in the English language, we think of, of being afraid. We think of something big, bad, and scary, something that we're intimidated by. It's just kind of a one level, if you will, definition. But Fear in the Hebrew carries three different ideas. And I think that all three of those ideas should be represented in our homes. The first is this, to be afraid. It means exactly what it means. Fear means to be afraid. So the first thing you could say here is, hey, there comes time in our life where we should be afraid of God. We we should realize when we realize the power of God and what He can do and and, and what He's capable of and, and especially What happens if we choose a lifestyle of sin? Then that should draw us or drive us to a place of fear where we look at God and we go, God, I'm going to serve you because I'm afraid of what you might do to me if I don't serve you the way you want me to serve you. You may think, now, Matthew, that just doesn't sound right. That's not a very grace-filled kind of teaching of Jesus. But, But listen, listen, I believe all faith starts at a very elementary place. And fear is as elementary of an emotion and feeling as there can be. I'm afraid of something. It's it's a challenging feeling. It's a scary feeling. And when we understand who God really is, there should be that elementary part of our faith that fears the Almighty God. But then there's another step to that the more we get to get, it shouldn't start and stop with fear. It should move on. The next idea behind the word fear in the Hebrew language is to stand in awe, is to stand in awe. Once you get past the fear and you realize just how majestic God is, you have this like, oh man, this is just so awesome. He is so wonderful. He is so mighty. There are a couple of times in my life that I really have had that moment. One, one moment is, is not just a moment, but it's it's a lot of moments in one place. But where my grandparents live in Waterloo, down at their house at night, there is no light pollution in the air. They live far enough away from town and, and down in the middle of a couple of hills that you, you don't get any light pollution. You can go outside at night and see the most beautiful skies full of stars down there. And, and it's just amazing. And every time I go down there, I think about just how wonderful God is and how majestic God is. The next time that i felt this, this just aweness of God was on the maid of the mist. I'm curious, how many of you, if you know what the maid of the mist is, I want you to give me a thumbs up or something in, in the comments here in our in our feed tonight, the Maid of the Mist. The Maid of the Mist are the boats that take you under, um, well, now that I've started it, I can't even think of what it's called. The big water, Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls, um, it, it, they take you up under, not under, but they take you to the base of the waterfalls. And it is just an amazing thing to be at the base of this monstrous waterfall. And so I was, I was on the made of the mess with a group, of our youth group, when, we were in, when I was in high school. And as we're on this and we're looking at this, we just broke out in song. We just broke out in song because it was such an amazing, just kind of a spiritually emotional moment to see the creation of God in that perspective. And so it doesn't start and stop with fear. Of being afraid of God, but it should lead us to a place to where we're in awe of God and that we look around and we see, we see the creation of God and we know how wonderful God is. And then those two, and this is just Matthew here, but those two should meld together and lead us to the next place and the next kind of definition of fear, and that is to honor and respect. Fearing the Lord means that we honor and respect Him. And when we understand the fear factor, the afraid factor, but then we also put it with the awedness, then we should look at Him and say, there is no one else like you, God. There's no one else as powerful as you. There's no one else as wonderful and as loving and as just as you. You are just that amazing and and you love us so much. And because of that, I'm just going to honor you and respect you in every way that I can. If we are going to be a house that serves the Lord, then we have to fear the Lord. And that's what Joshua says. He says, now fear the Lord. But then he takes that to the next place and he says, fear the Lord and serve him with faithfulness. Serve him with faithfulness. Now, I want you to think about this idea with me, and maybe if you want to, say it out loud in your house, wherever you're watching. I want you to say this phrase. I want you to say, I work for Jesus. Say that with me. I work for Jesus. Now, uh, most of you, if you're like me, through your life, you've had a number of different jobs. You've had a number of different jobs. You've had, because of that, a number of different bosses. And if you think about all of the bosses that you had throughout your career doing whatever it is you've done through your life, There's probably a couple of bosses that really step out and and really make you think that, hey, listen, this this guy was different. I worked at Walmart for, for for a year or so, and one of my best friend's dad was the manager of that Walmart. His name was Mr. Matlock, and Mr. Matlock was maybe one of the most amazing managers that I had ever worked for. Because when he got on the PA system and called all the guys out front during the middle of the summer to push buggies in because we'd run out of buggies, you know who was out there first? As soon as he hung the phone up, Mr. Matlock was out there pushing buggies with the rest of the guys at Walmart. When a truck came in, Mr. Matlock was at the back door opening the door and he unloaded every truck that came in with his employees. You loved to work for Mr. Matlock because you knew that he appreciated what you were doing. You knew that he was going to help you in that and that it wasn't beneath him to come out there and work with you. There were several times that when I was working on the floor, he would just come up and he would start helping. He would start working right beside me. And when you have men like that and women like that that you work with and work for, you will always go that extra mile. To, to, to end your job for them because you know that they're gonna be right there with you. Now, let me get you to say this again. I work for Jesus. I work for Jesus. And that means that I have the best boss in the whole world, that I'm following the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords there again. That Jesus did so many great things and is still doing great things, and He's not done anything, He's not asking me to do anything that He hasn't done or wouldn't do. And so what does that mean? It means that it should motivate us to serve Him in all faithfulness. And when I think about serving Him in all faithfulness, what I think about is serving Him with all my gifts and all my talents. Now, there, we all have gifts and talents from God. Okay? God's given us all something to serve Him and bring honor and glory to His name. Now, take that a step further, maybe in a step in a different direction, and a lot of us use our gift and talents to provide for ourselves as well. A lot of us use our gift and talents to provide for our livelihood as well. And what I want to challenge you with is this, is serving God with all faithfulness, is using those talents that you have to make money, okay, you also turn around and use those talents to further the kingdom of gospel. Well, if you're using your talents and your abilities to provide for yourself, but not to aid in the growth of the kingdom, you're not serving him with all faithfulness. Let me give you the best example that I can give. And this is not to, to harp on anyone. This is not to, this is not to say you are or not or you are or you aren't doing this. Okay. This is just the best example to make an illustration here. We have a, a large representation of of our um, people in this church are school teachers, and you go to you go to to work and you teach. That's what you do. You go to work and you teach, and you should be using those same gifts, those same talents, in our Sunday and Wednesday classes as well. Okay, if, if you if you've got the talent to go into the schools and teach, you should be using around and using those talents to teach in the church as well. Like I said, I'm not saying that that we we struggle with that or anything. I, I Honestly, to be completely real with you, I haven't been here long enough to exactly know how we are in that area. I hope we're great. If we're not, then we need to do some work. We should have, because of how many teachers we have, we should have one of the best Sunday school and Wednesday night programs in all available. Because we've got some great and fantastic teachers. But that's just the best example that I can think to make this point. What talents do you have that you're using to to do a lot of other things You need to use those talents to serve God. You need to use them to grow the kingdom, whatever those things might be. You may be great at building things, fixing things. You may be great at cooking things. You may be great at drawing. You may be great at writing. You may be great at a lot of different things. You need to figure out a way to use those gifts to grow the kingdom. That's how we serve God with all faithfulness. Is that easy enough? Does that make sense? I hope so. And then here's the last thing that he tells us. He says, throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt and serve the Lord. Throw away other gods. Throw away other gods. You know, we in our culture, in American culture, we don't have other gods, per se, like they did in in the days of the Old Testament. We don't have these idols built, and we don't go around and pray to them and and worship them like they did in in the days of the Old Testament. So talking about the idea of throwing away your gods can be a challenge to really understand what we're talking about. So, So the question is, how do I know if something in my life is a god? How do I know if something in my life is a God? Well, the best way that I can answer that is to say when it controls you, when you order your life around it, and you almost never say no to it. Think about that. When it controls you, when you order your life around it, it can almost never say no to it. So, what are some gods? What are some gods in our world? I've just jotted a few things down sitting at my desk thinking about this. This is no particular order. This isn't meant to talk about anybody. It's just, you know, it's just where what, and what it is as it came to my mind. There's the God of money. There's the God of money. For some people, the thought of making more money drives them. I'm not saying money is not important. I'm not saying that we don't need to be concerned and and, and work hard and, and provide for ourselves and for our families, but our jobs, our money, getting ahead in life, making more so I can have more, spend more, to play more, to have more fun, that can't control us. We can't order our life around that. We can't make that the central focus of our life and worship that another as we think about the culture that we live in. And, and from what I've seen, you know, this is not a major problem at Ninth Avenue, and, I, and I'm proud of this, but I've seen it as a major problems in other churches, and that is the God of athletics. The God of athletics. Uh, athletics used to be a community thing. Athletics used to be a thing that everybody played city ball, and, and we all went out to the city baseball fields or the, the, the city basketball courts and, and everybody in town just played in town now it's it's travel ball this and go play there and you're going for the whole weekend and you make this commitment you know there's this idea of, of parents talking about their fifth grader going to earn a scholarship to this university and that university and the chances of that are small but in their mind they're, they're worshiping that they're putting that above everything else they're going to extra practices they're going to, Um, these camps and that camps. And like we talked about this morning, sometimes that's at the extent of serving God. It becomes our God. There's the God of politics. There's the God of politics. Some people say that we shouldn't talk about politics from the pulpit, but in this particular situation, I think we should. Regardless of what side of the aisle you fall on, it's easy to allow politics to become your God. It's easy to put one man because of his political party in, in an exalted position while looking at another man and because he's not part of the party you like, and, and you talk about how bad he is. When your Facebook page is full of, of nothing but politicalness, then, then you may be worshiping politics. You know, we're fixing to come into a time of uh, an election again. It seems like we're always in election season, but this election, like many others, is, is going to be a very challenging election season because of the things that are just going on in our world around us. We can't get sucked into the God of politics. We can't do that. This one may not seem as as, as challenging, but I've seen it, so, so I jotted it down. The God of education. Now, don't get me wrong. Education is important. It's important for us to educate our children. It's important for us to be educated. But just like with the, the athletics. I heard a mom that I was the, the youth minister one time. She kept talking about how when her daughter was in ninth grade, how we are going to be valedictorian. We are going to do this. We are going to get that scholarship. And it was almost like she was living through her child. She was, her education was the most important thing to her. Her daughter's education was the most important thing to the mother. And she worshiped that. She, 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 her life revolved around that. The God of education. We have to be careful to not let our hobbies, not let the things we enjoy become our gods. Because they easily can. And it feels so innocent at first. And then once you get into it, it doesn't feel wrong because I've still got God, God over here. I'm just enjoying some other things over here. And before we know it, we have just slowly drifted away from the Almighty into the gods of this world and we're worshiping them, and they're controlling us, and we're ordering our life around them, and we're having a hard time saying no to those things, but it feels so good because we enjoy them. But Joshua says we have to throw those away. We have to order our life around God, the God Almighty, the Creator of the universe, the God that sent His Son to die for you. So I give you the same challenge that Joshua gave his people He says in verse 15, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Make up your mind right now. Am I going to truly live for God or am I going to serve something else? And then just just do it. But I hope and pray that your answer is I'm going to serve the God. Not a God, the God. That you will stand with me and make the same statement that Joshua says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's what we try to do at the Ballantine House every day, is to simply serve God. Some days with our kids are easier than others. We try to raise them in a place that exalts God above all. And like I said, sometimes that's easier than it is other, you know, on other days, but we try our best because we want them to see that in our lives. Who are you serving? And are you truly committed? That's, that's the question tonight. Let's end with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this study from the book of Joshua that we've had. We we thank you for the lessons that we've learned. God, it's it's been it's been a challenging few months to where every Sunday night for the, since since March, God, we've been in this book, but we've also been separated on Sunday nights, God, and I just pray that your Spirit has allowed these lessons to permeate through through the internet and through our screens and through our devices, God, and that it's touched the hearts of our church family. I pray for the boldness of our church family as we continue to take step by step, small steps forward to try to continue to serve you. I, I just appreciate the way that you continue to bless us, God. Please watch over us as a church. Help us to be a church that serves you. That is, that is fearful of you, that puts you first above everything else. And we be the type of homes that Joshua challenges us to be in this passage. Be with us, God, as we continue in our service to you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I encourage you that if there's anything you need, I know that we don't have this time of invitation in person, but if there's anything that you need this week, that you're struggling with, or you need prayers, please reach out, let me know. Let our elders know, let another brother and sister or sister know, and let us pray with you and and encourage you. Don't forget, Wednesday night is our drive-through meal. We'll have food ready at five o'clock. Come and drive through if you need us to drop it off at your house. Please give us a phone call here in the office and we'll get you on that list as well. And then at 6.30, we will begin our time of, of class together. So please join us then. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of you and may God bless you. Good night.
0: If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple podcast, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Hagleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 930 and Wednesday evenings at 630. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.